Welcome to another episode of Tech Verify, a podcast that dives deep into some of the exciting technologies and companies that are powering modern employee experiences and engaging people in our current world of work. Remember, if you're thinking about how HR, comms, and work tech can impact your employee experience, we are your first call to save time and money. I'm your host, Preston Lewis, founder and CEO of Intactic, a leading global employee experience, change communications, and digital workplace consultancy that supports and advises the biggest companies and growth brands in the world. Please subscribe now to both this podcast and a brand new podcast called New State of Work, where I'm also the host and we feature conversations with leaders, authors, and others who are interested in creating balance when thinking about performance and wellness at work. In this episode, we are welcoming our guest, Tarek Camille, CEO of Circle. Tarek is a seasoned entrepreneur with a wealth of experience in the tech industry. And for the last 10 years, he has been building technology focused on modernizing the employee experience. He founded Circle and the broadcast platform with a mission to help companies communicate with their employees more effectively. He has since grown the company into a leading personalized content and engagement platform. In addition to his work at Circle, Tarek is an active member of the technology community and serves on the board of several startups and nonprofit organizations. He's passionate about mentoring young entrepreneurs and is a frequent speaker at industry events and conferences, including TEDx and others. Hey, Tarek, thanks for being here. Preston, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. What is keeping you and your team most busy at Circle and building the Bird Broadcast platform? Uh, that's, uh might rephrase that to what's not keeping us busy because that's <laughs> much shorter list. It has been a tumultuous time in the world of employee communication, employee experience. So I think back to 2019 feels like decades ago, given what has transpired. So by compare and contrast, I think of office Monday through Friday, nine to five, everybody's got a place to work. Everyone's got an office and all of that. And how quickly that changed March 2020. So COVID obviously led to rapid acceleration in terms of the workplace environment, hybrid work, remote work the need to communicate quickly, fluidly with your higher organization or cohorts within your organization, the massive, I think, positive that came out of COVID was it really stressed communication infrastructure in a way that it has never been stressed before. That obviously is keeping us up, making sure that communicators have the tools and technology so they're never caught in that situation again. That's number one. Number two is thinking about the new world of work, which is people work from home sometimes. They've got digital nomads. You've got some people in the office, some people not. So how do you make everyone feel included without overwhelming? That's a huge topic. That's top of mind for us. That led quickly into the great resignation. And when people think about why do people leave companies? A lot of it is because they don't feel engaged that organization. So how do you scale engagement? Top of mind. 
And then that has taken us, as if that weren't enough, that has taken us into the world of quiet quitting, which is even more costly to an organization to have a resource that you think is producing and happy and they're really checked out. So how do we as an organization and how do we as a platform help communicators in all of those different scenarios? That is what we think about. For me, it's 25 hours a day of thinking about these problems. And we didn't really talk about it. My background is technical engineering. I love problems and there is no shortage of problems in the communications industry right now. I remember when we first met, one of the things that I was most interested in that I learned very quickly is that there was a very strong message when I was learning about Circle that the play was building technology that truly created a more consumer-like employee experience. And the specific example was, look, we are now unconsciously expecting content to come to us that's relevant. So the pitch was, and I think still is, correct me if I'm wrong, is how do we build a Netflix experience in the context of content for people at work? Is that still the case? And the question within that is, let's back way up. When you started solving for this problem that you love so much, tell us a little bit more about the founding story of the company and was problem or challenge, if you will, framed that way? Yes. I didn't know where this would lead, but where this all began was little old Cincinnati, Ohio. And I love education. I was serving on my children's school board in Cincinnati, little suburb in Cincinnati. And as a technologist sitting on a public school board, opportunity everywhere. We could make that better. We could make this better. But the thing that really caught my attention was, I don't know if I'm normal about anything, but I certainly don't know about normal when it comes to what you remember when you were in elementary school or middle school. So for me, it was assemblies. It was field trips. It was speakers that were brought in, things that were out of the norm. And I still remember them to this day. And I started to see what's happened with education, at least in public education, has been so watered down, teach to the test. And they don't really have time and room and opportunity to bring in these extracurricular activities and opportunities. And you never know what might spark a kid to say, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that existed. I want to do that when I get older. And so that's what drove all of this. I was solving for how do you engage people at scale? How do we get our school district, our community, our alumni engaged with what's going on with our kids' future in education? And how do we do it in a meaningful way? And that was the problem. And so this led me to really understand the problem with engagement. And it's only gotten worse is that there's so much noise. So think about what happened in 2007. Steve Jobs on stage, iPhone. That one thing that Apple created now has created a gateway of people to reach you anytime, any place. And I laugh about this. Now you remember 2006, you're waiting in line. You're not on your phone because there's nothing it could do. 
you're texting maybe and making phone calls. There's no words with friends. There's no candy crush. And really there wasn't social media on mobile. So you've got this device that's been created. You've got the emergence of social media. And what that has done is created this tidal wave of noise that's being thrown at all of us every day. So I start researching this to figure out how do we really crack the code on engagement? And as part of that research, I uncovered that we generate today, it's probably even more, but we generate more content every three hours. So from 9 a.m. to noon today, we'll generate more content than we did from the beginning of time to 2003 combined. Every book, every movie, every song ever created will eclipse that in less than three hours every day. And so you think about how do people keep up? So that led to how do the brands that actually engage they do it. And I looked at Netflix because it was bucking the trend. How are they growing so fast? How is Amazon growing so fast? Back then it was Pandora. Now it's Spotify. How are they growing so fast? And the answer became obvious. So you look across all these different brands, but they're all really doing the same thing. Preston, we're going to make you feel like you're our only viewer, watcher, subscriber, reader, fill in the blank. If you go to Netflix today or Amazon or Hulu or Spotify, you don't know if there's one person that's a subscriber or a billion because it's all tailored to you, right? Everywhere you go, the website, their mobile app, everything is about Preston. So I thought being the nerd that I am, why can we not do the same thing with content and communication. Why can we not tailor what is sent to each of our parents in this school district based on what they actually care about, not what we as a school district think they want to see or read or hear. And so that's what I solved for. So in my mind, let's apply machine learning principles. Let's apply AI. And this is 10 years ago, 10 years before chat GPT and all this other stuff. Yeah, this is the right thing to do. And now we can engage at scale. So that's really where it came from. I didn't at that time have any understanding of the state of employee communication. I just wanted to solve for more people engaged with our kids' education. That's the founding story of Circle. What a great place to start the conversations. We're going to start the spark of the idea. Thank you, John. Yeah, now, fast forward, we're sitting here in May of 2023, and you built not just technology, but an organization and multiple technologies. What are you most proud of today, sir? I think I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I love building businesses. And one of the things that I feel like leads to success is not thinking about making money. It is thinking maniacally about creating value. Preston, I don't have many skills and I'm not that smart, but what I do like to do is listen and learn. I think I have a high degree of empathy. So when I hear communicators complaining about something, I wish this was easier or why can't we do X? 
It is the ability to listen to them, synthesize what they are saying, and then translate that into tools and tech that will actually drive value. My goal with any business is I want people to love it so much that the value is undeniable. Wait to write a check, which is how I feel about Amazon Prime, for example. That's the best $120 you could spend. I look forward to it. There's so much value they give you. And so I feel like if that is the focus, just create value for these people. They will love you and they will be your customer forever. It's not about making short-term transactional decisions. It is about building a long-term relationship. For me, it is, and what I take the most pride in, is the ability for us to listen to them and really understand. And then how can we take their pain and turn it into an opportunity that not just helps them, but helps all communicators. So I think it is that fundamental ethos that drives the company of maniacal value creation. So let's build on that. Once you and team, of course, have illustrated, obviously you're constantly illustrating what value could be or look like to communicators, how to solve for those problems, create value. What, what do you, what is important for leaders and communicators to know about circle and to know about your company in terms of how you're solving for those challenges? Yeah. Great question. So I think for us, what we've seen is there has been the evolution of internal communication. If you go back and you think way back, it was a memo, right? This envelope that was passed around desk to desk with a memo in it. And you have to sign your name that you'd seen this. This is how we used to communicate. I'm not joking. And then email came onto the scene and it follows basically the same pattern of this thing. So you sign your name, I've seen it, whatever. And then a little bit later, we added an intranet, the concept of an intranet. This is the late nineties, early two thousands, an intranet shows up. And then you've got really early collaboration. So you've got Skype, you've got Yammer, you've got all these different things, which eventually has, I think, really produced a couple of leaders, Slack and Teams. And then you've got some organizations that need additional, they might need digital signage, then maybe they need a mobile app because they're in healthcare, manufacturer, retail, don't really have any other way to communicate to that type of employee. So what has evolved over time is most organizations look very similar. 100% use email, 80, 85% have some type of intranet. I would say we're probably 60, 70% are using some type of internal collaboration. And then it's hit and miss with bubble and digital signage. But you've got these different channels that have evolved. Now, I'm eating this picture because I think most people, at least listening to this podcast, say, yes, they raise their hand. That's me. That sounds like us. The issue with this is many fold. First, I've got all these channels. What have you done? You've created so much work for the communicator. I got this message. I got to build an email. And it's probably an Outlook, which if anyone has tried to build an email in Outlook, I used to have hair. So <laughs> that should be the only answer that you need. 
that's brutal. Outlook doesn't have analytics. So you don't really even know what's resonating, what's not resonating. Then they'll take that same piece of content, reformat it, put it on an intranet. It's on a carousel for a while. And maybe they're posting something in Slack or Teams. Maybe it's going to mobile app. Maybe it's going to digital signage. But you've created so much work just to get this one message out. That's a problem. The unintended consequence of this is that you are spamming your employees. What if I read the email? Now I got to see the same thing on the internet, mobile, digital, and you're posting something in Teams. I've already read it. The problem being these channels are not connected. And so if Netflix treated subscribers like companies treat employees, and it's not the fault of the communicators for these channels have evolved over time, people would unsubscribe in droves because it would be, oh, I've started a series on my TV. And then you go to your laptop and you have to start all over. Why am I starting all over? Or, hey, here are top 10 movies we think you will like. If I don't like horror movies, why, why do I have to look through this? It doesn't resonate with me. And so if you really think about how do we go from traditional employee communication or modern employee experience, it is keep the channels you've already invested in. I would never say get rid of your internet, team, Slack, nor would IT let you. So let's be honest, those things aren't going anywhere. But how do we make them intelligent? How do we connect them? So that's a big point of focus. So our platform kind of sits behind the scenes, makes everything intelligent. So you've already got an internet, probably SharePoint. Why isn't that tailored to each person that comes there? Why isn't Teams tailored? Why can't I get my news in Teams if that's my preferred channel? And if I consume content in one channel, why do I have to see it somewhere else? Why don't you know I've already read this? So then we can re-leverage that time with more content that the person hasn't seen, but also pertains to that individual. The key here is leverage the channels you've already created, make them intelligent, connect them. And those are the building blocks really to deliver a modern employee experience, which that's what Netflix is doing to you already. That's a big part of it. I think the second part of it and where we start the story is around AI. So we talk about engagement at scale, which again, quiet quitting, great resignation, remote work. How do you really engage people at scale? We have to learn about their individual interests. We have to learn that Preston is always engaging with content around community service. That's important to him. So when we have future content around community service, that should be much higher priority to Preston, no matter where he goes, because that matters to him. Now, let me pause. And if there are communicators listening to this podcast, they are screaming at me saying, but what if I need them to know something? This is not Netflix. Netflix is all marketing and optional. Get it. And it's a really great point that is valid. This differs dramatically from a marketing exercise because this is corporate communication. People can die. They can lose their jobs. if They're not seeing what we need them to see, right? You miss open enrollment deadline. 
who's going to suffer? Your family, right? So this is not, I just happened to miss a series on Netflix. There are consequences. So one of the things that we thought about broadcast is how do we ensure what the communicators need each person to see is actually seen? How do we maximize the reach of the content they're creating and ensure that content is seen across all channels without creating any more work? So that is the key to engagement with a huge caveat of it can never trump what the company needs their people to see. So a lot there, that was a lot, but fundamentally that's kind of 10 years of learning in four minutes. When we often work with all sizes of organizations, definitely large organizations that have communicators all over the world, oftentimes there's people responsible for communications formally or informally in lots of places, especially, of course, bigger companies. I think it's fair to say that all technology, when thinking about technology, organizations need to look inside first and look at what are the skills and capabilities of our team? What is the scope of the work? How does it align, of course, with our business priorities, our spend, our budgets, our bandwidth? What do you look for in organizations that you feel may be a good fit for the technology that you're selling? I knew you were going to ask me this question. I'm not sure I still have a good answer for you because everyone needs it. There are so many metrics of how companies with engaged, informed workforces outperform their peers. So we know the data is there. It's the same as, hey, we know the data is there about getting cardio three times a week. It's clear you cannot argue with this, but people still don't do it. And so for me, I think about the companies that really understand the value of their workforce, that it's an asset, not an expense. There is no business without your people. And we want to invest in them to attract great people, to retain great people, to make sure they understand all the amazing things we're doing as an organization to support them. And it's the right thing to do. Right. So it's going to increase productivity and all these other e metrics. I would guess my answer to that question would be the same answer I gave my kids. So when they start interviewing for jobs, you get to the end of the interview. And so they always ask, Preston, do you have any questions for us? And I always recommend you ask at least this one question. And that one question goes something like this. So I'm being interviewed and I say, yes, I do have a question for you. How do you think your CEO would respond to the following? Rank these three things in order of importance, your customers, your product or your service, or your employees. What do you think your CEO would say is the most important part of this business? Any company that doesn't say they're people, you don't want to be there. Is customers, product service, none of that exists without your people. And so for us, we have customers in all shapes and sizes, all industries globally. So there's no common link. They're not all big. They're not all small. They're not all tech. They're not all healthcare, right? Manufacturing. They're not all white color, blue color. There's nothing in common. 
other than they care about their people. So they all need it. I would just say for me, it's a lot easier to show this to people that already understand employees are our biggest asset, which is a wishy-washy answer, but it's the truth. And it can sometimes be an uphill battle. A lot of the work we do is helping leaders, communicators build a business case to invest in technology, to demonstrate that it's more, that's also walk, not just talk. Yeah. We talk about the value of the employees, at least the perception of the value in the particular leaders' minds. Having said all of that, there's lots of different things to consider when building that business case. I'm going to move to another really important question because one of the things that we also know to be true when organizations are thinking about bringing new technology into their stack to, to modernize the employee experience is we also need to think about where that platform is heading next as technology platforms continue to evolve, including the tech that you're building at CERT. What's coming next? We're riding this wave as we speak with more awareness and understanding of the impact of AI technology, machine learning. It's becoming more clear to more people. Therefore, I think that value equation is starting to shift and we have momentum there, uh, whether the context of AI or not. What are you building next? And what do you think would be helpful for people to know? The good news for us is that we're on that AI bandwagon for years and years. And so for us, it isn't necessarily about adding that. That's been, it's just core to us. It's foundational to us. I think the, now this is as a technologist, I think the acceleration around generative AI, really chat GPT, that's probably the most popular that people know of. I can't remember any time in recent history that we've seen something accelerate so quickly, went from nothing to how could we live without this? I think within organizations specifically, the, the future is still uncertain. And why I say that is we understand how big organizations work and think, and they're very cautious, especially with new technology. So you're starting to see things like Microsoft just bundle chat GPT functionality into Office and Bing and Edge, their browser. And within a corporate environment, that may or may not work. So there's so much security. They're so data conscious. You don't know what people are typing in there thinking it's innocuous and that this thing is using it to learn, could it then share with another company what you just typed in? Hey, ChatGPT, I need you to write a memo about laying off 10% of our workforce. Holy cow. If your security people knew that you were putting that in as a prompt, that's a huge red flag. I think they'll get through all of this. I think the, just like anything else, I think the benefits outweigh the costs. So. We use AI in a very different way, which is around this learning, very similar to what Netflix has been doing, Hulu has been doing, but we're not using it in the kind of chat GPT context yet. So we're going to let that play out. I think that will introduce hurdles for the adoption of technology that it's already hard enough. We don't want to put more friction into the process. So for us, we're thinking more. How do we integrate more seamlessly? How do we reduce total cost of ownership? 
how do we get IT and not have to maintain anything? So no code integration with your existing channels and systems. Why should something take three to six months to launch? What if we could make it three to six weeks? What if, and most organizations are structured this way, you go out and you pay the price tag for a piece of software. And then IT is probably charging you for third time to do the work of integration, maintenance, support. So that's, you got to pay for as well. So what if we can reduce that? And IT doesn't want to do this work anyway. So how do we make the adoption of technology much, much easier? That's very high on our radars. We rolled out a bunch of features last year that have been unbelievably well-received. So it's continuing to add to what we've already started. So that's a thing, integration to other channels that they're already using. So Slack is the big one. We already have a pre-built integration with Teams and SharePoint, but we have so many people using Slack. So we need to give them an easy to integrate solution and have it flexible enough that it works with their implementation of Slack. So I think you're going to see that next couple of weeks. So excited about that. And then it's really, what have we learned through COVID and recent history around making it easier to communicate with really hard to reach employees. So email list employees, they don't even have a corporate email address. We're talking to companies that you might be their employee and they mail you things today. They don't have a personal email address. There's no corporate email address. They don't even have your cell phone number. So how are we going to communicate to Preston when there's no digital way to communicate with them? I think we have a very interesting solution to that problem. So we'll be rolling that out very shortly as well, but there's no shortage of things we can be doing to modernize how companies communicate with their workforce and how we take that tech and help internal comms show their value. That's also really big missing piece. I think they were leaned on heavily during COVID. Then I feel like started shift back to, hey, just get this out. Yeah. We don't want them to be there. And so how can we arm them with data and metrics and insights and analytics so they can prove their value to the organization? So those are top mind things and initiatives that we're working on. A lot more to build. We do need more maturity. We need more sophistication. We need more connection and integration to other existing systems so that we can then hopefully simplify that experience, not just for people and employees, but for communicators that are navigating and the options and administering, if you will, some of these solutions. I'm going to do our next and last question. My favorite questions. You and I have been at many conferences speaking before. We show up in different places. In the context of work, conferences being one example, there's lots of places to go and get what I like to call our juice. Where do we get fueled, inspired, and learn? Where do you go to get your juice? Try to think about connecting things that aren't normally connected. And if you're just in a problem and that's all you're thinking about, you can get blinded to other ways to solve that, so that problem. And so for me, a lot of it is pulling out 
and not thinking specifically about internal communication or employee communication, employee experience. It is thinking about totally disparate industries and how they've solved problems, kind of the out-of-box thinking it takes to get from here to there. So I love to listen to podcasts. I love to learn. I love to watch documentaries. And it's very rare that I will, whether it's about health or tech or innovation, I don't take something back that I can then apply, oh, this thing which is around, let's say health as a use over here. Let's try this, let's experiment, let's throw that out. So I think two very different realms and looking for possible synergies, that's always exciting to me. Then I will sit in on sales calls. I love it. I love to listen to why did you come here? Why are you, what are you hoping to get out of this? And really just listening to them, talking about what's keeping them up at night. And we always use the language of what's the aspirin for your headache. And so for me, I do come into it like a physician. I really want to understand what brought you here. And so there's a level of progression. What's an immediate pain? And then what's the future? What can the future look like? So I love to listen, I love to learn, I love to talk to communicators. I think I see the world through this lens of a technology can make that go away easily. And that is the juiciest of juice things for me. So when they give me something like that problem, that's keeping them up at night and I can come back to them, take it to our product team, our engineering team. What do you think about this idea? And to watch that just light up. It is why I do this, honestly, Preston. It is my favorite thing to show people how their life could be better. And that is it. That's the only reason I do this because anyone would be insane to start a business. And not as an entrepreneur, this is a lunacy to start a business. It can't be for money. It has to be because you're a bit crazy. And you are driven by different kind of juice than most people. That's the juice that drives me is watching them light up. Thank you for that. Thank you for that perspective and story and sharing a lot more about, about Circle and how your team approaches your work. It's been such a fun conversation. I'm sure we will cross paths again soon. But for now, thank you for making the time. Preston, thanks for having me. It's great to see you.